Welcome to Poltergeist and Pixie Dust, a scary movie podcast with a happily ever after twist. It's our first episode. Welcome. Hi, I'm Laura. I am the more logical one. I'm Kelly. I'm your resident whimsical dreamer. We are going to be watching Sinister today, a 2012 horror film, which according to IMDb is the one where a controversial true crime writer finds a box of Super 8 home movies in his new home, revealing that the murder case he's currently researching could be the work of an unknown serial killer whose legacy dates back to the 1960s. And what they don't tell you in that synopsis <laughs> is that serial killer is one potential mm-hmm, outcome mm-hmm. To, to what he's finding and what he's exploring. They don't touch on the fact that Supernatural is a whole other piece to it, mm-hmm. uh, a very obvious piece to it. <laughs> and I feel like that omission yeah, that's important. is very misleading to people who are looking for a scary movie. And they're like, I can't really do something that's, you know, filled with ghosts or whatever. And this is like, no, don't worry. It's a serial killer movie. Lies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're really setting you up for failure there. Yeah. Agreed. So. So we are, uh, we're not going to be going scene by scene and recapping the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, hit pause and go watch it. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. We'll, we'll be here when you get back. Yeah, because we'll have spoilers. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Spoilers. Not, not scene by scene, but you'll, you'll know what happens. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll highlight the major plot points, uh, but mostly we're going to focus on what we would have done differently. What we think maybe one of us would have done exactly the same. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> how we would have tried to survive yep. the film or how the characters should have survived maybe by doing something differently. Right, or at what point we would have for sure died. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be able to survive every one of these. <laughs> That's true. All right, so let's get into it. Um, my first point is about the paint. What's your first point? That there were fucking boxes everywhere. <laughs> well, they're moving. They're moving, but then it has a truck of boxes. He's carrying his one box, and they have a plot line about that. Uh-huh. There's boxes throughout the film. True. So I put boxes everywhere because I thought from the very beginning, it set you up for the fact that boxes were going to be a consistent piece to the plot. But yes, it's moving day. Boxes make sense, but then yeah. the fact that they continue on like immediately, I was like, boxes fucking everywhere. Um, <laughs> and the fact that it was a pain in the ass by carrying his one box to the office yeah, and saying, it's fragile. Shady. But what it immediately set you up for was like, his work is more important than anything else. Yeah. He's carrying one box, saying it's fragile, going to his office, and pretty much leaving everything else for his wife to carry in. Yeah. Big narcissist vibes out of this guy. Mm, and I hate the sweater he's wearing the whole time. He wears <laughs> it in like every scene of the entire He film. really does. Yeah. And it's he's, super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mm, not, <laughs> not crazy about that. Deputy Dewey boy, he made his... Uh, his appearance. Um, I've already have points here that they did not have to move there. Um, <laughs> so before so I would have before, not even been there. <laughs> before it even starts, it, it's an it's a no from war. It's a it's a hard pass. Um, it's not even that I would have left in the first scene. The first scene never would have happened. Right. If he's a writer. Yep. So spoiler on this one, they are moving into the home where a. Homicide happened to our family. Four of the family members were murdered. The fifth one, one of the daughters or a daughter, uh, has disappeared, was never seen again. Right. So the town and the cops, they assume that she's dead. The murder was not solved. And now this true crime writer is moving his family into the house (laughs) where that family was killed. Right. And other spoiler... He didn't tell his wife. Right. He's the only one that knows that this murder took place in the house. So he's a massive asshole. Yeah. He's... He's, he's the worst. Whatever happens after this, he is to blame. Mm-hmm. So he set everything up. Um, I have so many times written down, leave, move, leave him, <laughs> leave him behind. Here's how I know if, if, this, if Laura's the wife in this movie, here's how I know this movie wouldn't exist. Um, the wife makes a comment about... I hope this time is better. Did we move two houses down from a crime scene again? Yep. I hope this doesn't go sour like last time. Let me tell you something. You get one time with Laura and she's out the door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had that one down too. If this goes sour like last time, I will leave and take the kids with me. You're right. There would not have been a next time. If it went sour last Mm -hmm. time, 
I would have already been gone. I also would never move to a house without finding out the history of it and Googling it. <laughs> right, that's true too. So there's no way that my husband would be like, oh yeah, don't worry, we're, we're moving into this home. I've been like, yeah, okay, what's the address? And let's look it up. And he's a true crime writer and he's pulled this shit before by moving you two houses down from a crime. I wouldn't have no trust at <laughs> all. So I, I don't understand people who don't do that. Yeah, she's very just like, blindly going with the flow here, I think. Even, very much. Even for me, I feel like this, this is a bit much. It was very avoidable on that, on that part. So that's, that's where I started. So you had the paint. Yeah, so this little girl, the daughter, who, I'm sorry, from her first scene, she's fucking creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> mm. I wrote down that the daughter is logical. Everything she says. Okay, when she starts talking, yeah, she's yes. logical. Everything that comes out of her mouth mm. up until a certain point. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, everything that comes out of her mouth makes sense. She's like, we didn't have to move here. I don't have to unpack. I didn't want to move here. Right. I don't want to go to school here. Can we go home? Like, I am totally in agreement with everything she's saying. Mm-hmm. She's pretty much saying, hey, here's an out. We can live. I'm yeah. like, yes, take it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he doubles down. Yeah, she's literally like, you're the one that wanted to move here. Right. So, like, clearly he's the only one that wanted to move here. Yeah. And if this little girl who's, what, eight or so? Yeah, she's young. If she recognizes mm-hmm. you brought this on yourself, I don't know. I think voice of reason. You yeah. You should probably, these kind of things in, in my life would be a family discussion. Right. You know, let's right. all sit down at the dinner table and talk about why we're moving, where we're moving, what is the crime your dad's going to yeah. be writing about? Because you are going to hear about it from somebody. Right. And so. they don't want the kids to know anything about it. And yeah. even the son is like, I'm going to hear about it at school anyways. Once yeah. people find out, like, we moved here, they're going to want to tell me about it and they're all going to hate me. And on day one, he draws a picture of the crime at school. Right. So clearly somebody told him about it. Yep. So does he know right away that he's living in the murder house? I don't know. Do you think he drew that picture because the kids told him about it or because he dreamt about it when he was having that night terror? I made the assumption the kids said it because I don't want that nightmare in my head right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I assume that he found out about it at school and drew the picture, but I don't understand why he didn't also come home and be like, and it was here. Right. So because he draws the picture and then like the movie continues for another, what, 45 minutes or so before anybody else mentions... Right. And I'm like, but why? Also, like, look out the fucking window. Because yeah, the tree that the family was hung in still has the branch hanging from it. Yeah. Nobody questions Call an arborist. That. What are we doing? The police are there giving you a hard time. And the wife didn't even walk over to say hi to the cops. Mm-hmm. And if she had, she would have known from the day one, you're moving into the murder house. Mm-hmm. And she would have said no. Yeah. Because she said no later when she found out. Yeah. So I think that I would like to think that this is where I survived because... Ah, okay. I did not have you surviving this one. Because... <laughs> like, hands down, there were many places in here where I wrote leave. Right. And but, I know that you would not later, have left. Right? But if I left here, then we don't get to those parts. So I went. Uh, you wouldn't have left here. You would have found out there was a murder here and you would have been like, sweet, we're moving in. So I would have... I would not have just, like, hung back and let him talk to the cops. I am 100% eavesdropping on that conversation. Yes, but I don't think it would have saved you. I think you would have <laughs> said, okay, let's let's learn more about this. Maybe there's a ghost. I bet, I bet, yes, see, you're lighting up. You would have let's met. Let's have a seance. You would have, have had a Ouija board. You would have invited neighbors. Maybe I mean, not a Ouija board, but a seance for sure. Yeah, there's a fine line between those <laughs> two. It's an important line, it's, though. I don't even know. I know. I'm not sure. One's inviting ghosts and the other's inviting ghosts. So I don't think, yeah. I agree to disagree. No. (laughs) Sometimes someone's right. Um, Yeah, no, I don't. I think that would have sealed your fate, actually. I don't think that would have been a matter of you surviving. I think you would have been like all in. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Also, you would have been all in in like previous books he was writing. Yeah. And I would have, too, because sure. clearly he, he lived through those, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, also, maybe they would have been successful because we could help. 
Right. I mean, he fucked up two books in a row. You fuck up once, you don't fuck up the next one. Right. What are we doing? So he got it wrong twice in a row, mm-hmm. and now he is a functioning alcoholic, semi-functioning Barely alcoholic. functioning alcoholic, uh-huh. Uh, who is determined to write this, determined mm-hmm. to keep his family in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's living in the house where the crime happened. Yeah. In my mind, there's a lot of reasons there. And the sweater, the fucking sweater. There's a lot of reasons there that I'm not rooting for him to survive. I have in capitals with exclamation points, how did the wife not look up the house, the town, etc.? <laughs> like, she looked up nothing when she packed and she moved. Right. Like, if you know that your husband is a true crime writer and he's moving you to a new town, maybe just Google murder in that town. Mm-hmm. Just see what comes up. <laughs> no, he's writing about a crime that happened in that area. All you have to know is what is the crime? And then you'll learn everything, and then you divorce him and move on. <laughs> right. That's it. There are That's other it. fish in the sea, my friend. This is a bad fish. This- <laughs> like, fish gave you two kids. It's fine. Throw the whole thing back. He can keep the night terror one. You take the... Actually, you know what? Both kids can move with him. <laughs> um, I also have why didn't they remove the branch or the whole damn tree? Yeah. Um, and the painting, though. So to go back to that... I do have the quote. The number one rule is paint only goes in the bedroom, nowhere else in the house. Right. And that was absolutely foreshadowing to the end of the film. Oh, yeah. Because she does not use paint in the rest of the house. Right. She uses blood. I don't know if we're actually (laughs) spoiling that now, but she becomes the axe murderer and she uses blood. Literal axe murderer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We're like, "Mm." uh, So I have a question. Uh, So you're moving into a new house. And you're putting some boxes in the attic, probably with, like, Christmas decorations, things you aren't going to use for a while. Mm-hmm. And you find a creepy-ass box with a creepy-ass projector and creepy-ass rolls of Super 8 film. Do you watch them? No. You do. <laughs> you absolutely do. I'll tell you this. I would be very curious. Okay. Okay. I might watch them in the daytime with a room full of people. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely would not take it down, tell no one, set it up in the dark, pour myself a whiskey, and watch it by myself. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Yep. Like a fucking psycho. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, he... I don't understand any of that. How do you not just go to your wife and be like, hey, look what I found? And so his hole that he's digging just keeps getting fucking bigger and deeper. Right. Um, Oh, I also had a question because they haven't sold their last house yet. They're looking to sell it, but they haven't been able to. She made the comment about, this isn't like when we bought the house two houses down from a crime scene. That house that they're trying to sell, is that the house that's two houses down from a crime scene? That's a good question. Because if that's a hard one to sell, how the hell did they think they were going to sell this one? <laughs> yeah, I had issues with the fact that they're not telling the kids the wife has blinders on. Oh, yeah. Um, but she gets so mad at him so many times. Yeah. And then when he, like, pushes back at all, she's like, I don't want to hear it. Okay, well, which is it? <laughs> mm-hmm. He did say at one point, he's like, I want to tell you something. And I was like, oh, yes, he's going to clue her in. <laughs> and all he says is, I'm really sorry. Right. And, and she's, she's like, like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, I don't, what, just happened. You had your chance. You, right. It's like you lost your line there. Like, she wants to be, like, his his ride or die. Like, I'm, I've always been there for you, and I'm here mm-hmm. for you now. Like, maybe this isn't a stand by your man kind of moment. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure she really likes him. I don't know if he <laughs> likes her. And I also have in here that kids in general are, are scary and creepy. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I have that too. Yeah. One of their kids couldn't find the bathroom and that was creepy Mm because she's just like standing in a closet or laundry room or something. Mm -hmm. One kid has night terrors and the first time we're introduced to that is when he's like a contortionist coming out of a packing box that does not look like it should fit him. No. And And he's like screaming himself out of it and screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like upside down coming out of a box. So boxes everywhere. Kids are fucking creepy. Yeah, I have I have the, the kids being creepy too because when he brings her back to her room after she can't find the bathroom, um, mm-hmm. and he tucks her in, she's got these creepy ass paintings on the walls. She's got these creepy ass dolls. Did you see that? I try not to look at dolls. Hell no! This kid is creepy as hell. Yeah, and I had questions about you know when he's watching some of these what turned out to be snuff films. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
things like who lifted a chainsaw, who put the chains around the cars. Yeah. These things that we find out later were crimes committed by kids. Right. Still look like they have a component that the kids should not be able to physically do. Right. Um, so in my head, I'm also picturing like this demon running around and like hauling chains around and bringing a chainsaw. I'm like, you just like, I can see your legs now. I can see you moving. It just, you lost kind of some of that dark magic going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did have questions about that. And the dad is very much like a junkie looking for a fix. Oh yeah. That theme. Yeah. Fall like follows him that addiction theme. He even says to the wife, like, I just need another hit. Mm-hmm. And of course he means another hit book. Right. Another number one best-selling right. book. But it does sound like he needs another more fix. drugs in his system. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He did at one point, there was a turning point in the film that you know, okay, you're going to die mm-hmm. and you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it's the point where he found the films. He has now watched some of the films, picks up the phone to call the cops and he's staring at his own bookshelf of Kentucky Blood, this this best-selling book he had 10 years ago. He's had two flops in the meantime. He's staring at that. The cops pick up the phone, and he ends up saying nothing and hangs up. He yeah. made his decision right there. Mm-hmm. He was calling the cops to report it and to say, I found these films. But staring at his books, he consciously made the choice of, nope, I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to figure this out and write a book about it. Right. Like I have to asshole. say no. Like, he chose... <laughs> Fame mm-hmm. or the potential for fame. Yep. Over justice. I said he traded integrity for fame. Yep. That's what I wrote down. Yep. Um, he also <laughs> had a little tiny sketch of a box that he was holding up against the attic, and I'm like, I wrote down science. <laughs> <laughs> like this fool. <laughs> um, that's so funny. Wait, yeah. I'm putting that on Instagram because that's so funny. <laughs> okay. Like this little post it and he draws like a little 3d picture of a box and he's just like why is this here what are you doing that is terrible science um and also i was wondering this is a very like it looks like a modern house it's not this old you know it's not a hundred year old home or even older so why the hell is it rumbling at night it's not right. just creaking it yeah. is like you have a dinosaur in the attic right and I'm also wondering, like, how heavy is this fucking ghost up there? Mm-hmm. And why is he, why are there footsteps? Why is, and it's not just, like, little kid footsteps. It's yeah. legit man footsteps. Right. Like, dinosaur. There's a Yeti in your eyes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, like, human. It was, like, I'm, you know. And why is nobody else in the house waking up for this shit? Right. Like, the mom woke up when the son was having his two night terrors. Right. She was And in the second one, he doesn't even make noise. Like, how did she wake up? Yeah. Nope. But she sleeps through this nonsense? Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? I agree. Um, And also, if he's... I did not understand this plot point. And I know, we're going to focus on how would we survive and all this stuff, but this plot point in general was kind of a red flag for me that he made his family move to the town right because he's going to write about a local crime that happened there yes doesn't tell them of course what house they're moving into but he is moving physically to be in that location okay but he does not make any attempt to leave the house he doesn't go to town he doesn't go knock on neighbor's doors he doesn't call the cops until he needs deputy dewey's help on something yeah he doesn't interview anybody he does not even make an announcement that, hey, we're in town. Nothing. Mm. So why do they physically have to be there if he's making no attempt to make connections to anything in the town? So that I didn't understand. What was his reasoning for moving to this area right. if he was taking no advantage of being in the area? Right. That's so valid. I had a red flag on that one. <laughs> Before he goes to investigate this creaking noises and the footsteps, which, by the way... Not me. I'm not doing it. Nope. Not doing it. All right. Here's the thing. I'm putting the radio on and pretending I don't hear it. All right. You know what? That's true. <laughs> that is that is very true. This is maybe the scene where you don't survive. Like, they're like, hey, we're here. Come get us. And you're like, I don't hear you. <laughs> I don't know if they would be happy with that response or if they'd be like stomping around louder and, you know, come get us like a little toddler or something. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a that's a ballsy move. I would probably say this is where you die. And already we've established I, I never made it this far. I, I'm alive, but I never had to spend a night in the house. OK, but let's. Let's suspend our... No, you would die at that point. Okay. (laughs) 
okay. This fine. is the first time that I first. Yes. All right. Yeah. I also though, you for sure would have investigated the noise. I would have investigated the noise not alone, not with a tiny little pen flashlight. Right. And and, and the light is this when the power had gone out too. So I would not yeah. have done any of this in the dark by myself. <laughs> I just, hands down, never. No. Like, when there's a spider, I would wake somebody up to help me kill a spider. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm not going to go ghost hunting by myself in the right. dark. We're turning on every light. <laughs> every light. And if the power is out, I'm crawling into bed, locking the doors. Or, again, get in the car and go find a hotel. Yeah. You know, this is, there's no, no reason to go in the attic. Mm-hmm. So I was also wondering, why is this creepy ghoul... Wearing a kiss mask. Oh my god! I said, <laughs> I said this guy looks like the V for Vendetta if he joined the band Kiss. So Guy Fawkes meets Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, I wrote down again that I hate that sweater. Uh, and this is where he really starts getting into the alcohol piece too. Right. So as the film progresses and it gets scarier, he gets less sober. Right. And so I feel like we're starting now to follow a potentially unreliable narrator. Mm. So I I question that now of, you know, what is he seeing? Is he reacting to things that are real? Is he reacting to things that are perceived? Yeah. Um, I also had written down later, were all the kids a product of some shithead dad? <gasps> so I wrote that down. Were the parental issues with other kids? Or is it really just... Although... I wish we learned about the other families. You know, just based on the Super 8 films that we see, it does at least look like the dads are engaged with the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. Unlike this douchebag. Yes. You know, when the when the family's hanging out... Oh. Before, they, before, they, before they're hung outside. Mm. Um, you know, they show the dad, like playing catch with one of the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's um, a barbecue. Before the barbecue, they're fishing. The dad's fishing with the yeah, kids. Yeah, they're having an actual barbecue before the family mm-hmm. barbecue. Mm-hmm. Okay, but by the way, so say I do take the creepy-ass projector out of the box. One, I, I am saying that you do, yes. And I watch the first Hanging Out 11. Mm-hmm. I'm not watching another one. I'm not doing it. That's when I call the cops. I, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Why Why would you watch another I, one? <laughs> hey, I mean, he went through all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not agreeing with him. Mm-hmm. No, I'll give you that. I, I do think, I have no feeling like you wouldn't call the cops. I agree that you would call the cops. I just think, you know, there's chances maybe the cops don't take you seriously or whatever. I still think you're going to end up back in the attic at some point. No, hell no. Yes. Because no. at this point, they don't know it's supernatural for sure. The only way I'm going back into the attic is when you come over and I'm like... You gotta check this out. Yo, I heard the fucking weirdest thing. And you're like, let's go see. <laughs> Daytime with other people. <laughs> um, yeah, so when the lights and power went out, I also wrote down leave. Exploring everything upstairs, tiny flashlight, a knife, footsteps running in the attic, call the police and leave. And the next mo- the next scene is he goes into the attic. Yeah. He will die. This is the point at which he dies. <laughs> I was like, the attic again? <laughs> and in every one of these, he's like chasing something that he thinks is, you know, steps. Yeah. And allegedly, he is trying to solve this crime and maybe find the girl Stephanie. Oh, right. So why in each of these does he have like a flashlight and a weapon? It's either <laughs> a baseball bat, a knife, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. But I'm like... None of those is going to actually hurt a ghoul if you think you're going after this mm-hmm. this thing. So your other option is you're, what, planning on stabbing a little girl that you've been trying oh to find? Oh, my God. Right, exactly. So what is his What are we doing, here? Ethan Hawke? Right. So he's he has a weapon, though, in each one. So I'm like, I understand. I would have a weapon. But not in the way that he set this up of, like, right. I'm going to find this girl. And he says he doesn't believe in ghosts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I have... I had concerns about that of, of what exactly he was looking for. Um, and and also, why is there a fireplace poker in the attic? Right, another one. <laughs> right. And then he ends up finding this snake mm-hmm. in the attic. And at this point, I wrote, <laughs> like, this is what it takes. Now I'm like, okay, move. Burn it with fire. Barbecue 23. <laughs> <laughs> and I had tell wife, kids, and exterminator. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, 
and also I was wondering, how did he have a free hand to grab a fireplace poker? Because he was up there with a flashlight, a knife, and then what, his third arm came out and grabbed a fireplace poker? Yeah. Why would he trade, what did he trade? The butcher's knife for a fireplace poker? I guess. I don't know if that's an upgrade. Kids drawings were scary. Anytime they were creepy ass drawing from creepy ass kids. Yes. I feel like if you see a creepy, maybe we are going too much scene by scene, but (laughs) if you see a creepy kid drawing, especially if there's an extra character on the side labeled Mm -hmm. Mr. Boogie. I'm out. Send the kid to therapy. Yeah. Move in whatever order you need to do that. But, um, no, that's a hard pass. Mm-mm. And you don't save those pictures and put them anywhere. So when you find those in someone's attic and they weren't drawn by your kids, also move. Right. If they are drawn by your move kids. Move too, but that's a therapy <laughs> piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but whatever it is, you're moving. Uh, and then I had fell through the attic. Was he an idiot, drunk, deserving of this? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> yes. uh, and so far he's now seen a scorpion and a snake. So I had move underlined three times. Did I miss the scorpion? I don't think we saw it. He mentioned it, but okay. I don't. I think that's maybe when he slammed a box on something at the beginning, and then he oh. picked it up and ended up being the box of like all the films and shit. Oh, I thought it was that early. Okay, I could all be right. wrong. But yeah. also, like now, nobody's worried about the snake anymore. Right. Oh, there was a snake gone. Where the fuck did it go? Nobody called the exterminator. He called it small. I would not. Mm-mm. And he has no knowledge, neither do we, if it's poisonous, if it has a family, if it has friends, if it's... <laughs> no. If it's in the snake mafia. <laughs> right. Like, that thing's going to be like, look, and <laughs> yeah, you're going to have all the snake family showing up. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Hard pass. Uh, deputy so-and-so. I... Okay. Loki. I love Deputy so-and-so. Deputy so-and-so is, is the... Re- and even the sheriff. Are like the redeeming characters in the film. And yeah. knowing the professor. Love the professor too. Oh my god, I love the professor. Yes. So, but the deputy so-and-so, he believes in ghosts. He has a degree in the criminology pieces. Yeah. He has a connection to this professor. He does all these great things for him. But and then also tells him like at the ending, by the way, uh, you're gonna die pretty soon because he made an epic mistake. Right, right. Um then he's like, okay, bye. But, so yeah, he, he does bring pieces to it. I just, I do wish we got more of the backstory of the family that used to live there. Yeah. Um, and the other families too. Like, I would love if they did prequels, not to see the murders and everything, but just to, you know, understand the families a little bit better. Yeah, how do we get here? Right. I thought, and how did they choose? Like, I know it had to do with the houses, I guess. Mm-hmm. But also I was wondering why Google only works sometimes for people in horror movies. So he looks up stuff, he finds certain things, mm-hmm. and then he assigns to deputy so-and-so to look up a couple of houses for him. I'm like, you could have Googled. I'm sure you would have found something. Yeah. Um, I was wondering why he was only looking at two crimes when he had films of like at least five, I think. Yeah. And then the wife doubles down on being the poor sap because the wife comes back and says, you know, I'm sorry and I'm always with you and I'm, I support you. And yeah, no, she, and still she the does. husband's not telling her what's going on. <laughs> She done. So the flashlight when he went up to the attic must have been the flashlight on his phone. That makes sense because later we see like the film. Yeah, that he was because actually I, filming it. I have a note that just says Mr. Boogie on film. What does that mean? <laughs> Is that when he moves? I don't think we're there yet. Okay. Um, oh, I do, it does come up actually pretty soon. He's watching like his old news reports and talking about justice and how he would rather cut off his own hand than write a book for fame or money and. You're seeing 10 years later how different he is because he's doing whatever he can for fame and yeah. money. Um, deceiving his family, putting him in danger, putting himself in danger. Uh, and, you know, why is he even watching his old glory days? And yeah. is he still doing what his wife had mentioned before about chasing his 15 minutes of fame, which I think is pretty apparent. And there's also some foreshadowing that comes in with the wife making the coffee and telling the daughter, like, your dad likes it very, he has a very particular way with his coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so helps her make it because she wanted to go bring her dad a cup of coffee, which plays into the film at the end, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question, though, about this one. Because I, I, maybe I'm lost on this, but... So, towards the end of the film, Deputy Dewey so, Boy... So. Okay. Calls him, <laughs> explains to him... You have now put you and your family in danger because you moved out of the home Mm -hmm. where the murder had happened. So the fact that he moved into that home Mm -hmm. was not the piece, allegedly, that put them in danger. 
the fact that they moved out of the home Mm -hmm. now kind of gave the demon free reign to follow them, possess one of the kids, kill the family. Yeah. And take the daughter and, or, you know, whichever child happened to be the daughter here, take one of the kids and will feed off that kid's soul for eternity. That's what he does. That's why he's collected like five of the kids and this is the sixth one. So that's the backstory of what's actually happening. And deputy so-and-so put it together calls and says, look, here's the pattern. Now that you've moved out, you're next on the list. So my question was, all of these families along the way moved into a house where a murder had happened and then moved out of it, and that's where their murder happened and someone moved into their home. Why are all these people moving into homes where murders happened? Maybe that's what they can afford. I would rather be homeless (laughs) than, I think, move into a house where, let's say... Somebody ran over the family with a lawnmower or attached all the family members to lounge chairs and pulled them into the pool. I mean, yeah. these are not lighthearted murders. No, I don't know what no. a lighthearted murder would be, but these are thought out, gruesome, terrifying, nightmare fuel murders. And all these people are moving into the homes and being like, that's okay. That's cool. And I mean, somebody has to live there. No, you could raise the home. You could burn it down, <laughs> or to get rid of the actual house, build something you know new there. That's fine. Nobody lived in that home then. Mm, okay. I don't know. That's Gray just... area feels like. <laughs> so that's that's my thoughts. Now you. We... Yeah. All right. Let's go back. He's watching the video of him falling through the ceiling. Yes. And you see. All these little ghost children hands Mm -hmm. on his shoulders pushing him down. Yeah. I mean, at this point, call a young priest and an old priest. Burn all the sage. (laughs) Yes. Sage that shit, but also move out. Like, (laughs) this is a leave situation. I have two in a row of leave written down, underlined. Right, but Um, then you die. Well, yeah, I didn't know When you move out, you die. I didn't know that at the time. So really... You have to live through this? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, what this is the, why you need an exorcist to exercise the house. What if the family splits? Like, what if she really is like, fine, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. And she moves to this house. And he's like, fine. And he moves to this house. Mm. He doesn't even have kids with him anymore. So he lives. Demon follows her? Demon follows the kids. Yeah. He fucked this up for them pretty <gasps> bad. She still dies. Wow. He's the worst. Yeah. Hmm. Really? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the demon did move in the still shot, though. You mentioned that. That was uh, a pretty creepy jump scare. I saw this movie in theaters years ago. Yep, I was there. I did not see that part. <laughs> so literally, take picture it. We are in this crowded theater in 2012, watching this movie, and I'm like super into it, eating my Twizzlers. Eyes wide. I look over at Laura. She's got both hands covering her eyes and she's just peeking between her pinky and her ring finger. Okay. For the whole two hours or hour and a half, whatever. There's also a good amount of it that I covered my eyes completely and Mm -hmm. didn't peek at all. Um, Like when I went home. And your ears. And my ears. I would plug my ears and my eyes. I would do this. And so they can't see me, but I... Just imagine it. Uh, I had to go home. This this particular movie, I had to go home and Google how it ended. Right. right. I did not know what the girl did. I didn't know she did anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea the entire last scene. Um, I didn't see any of it. And three or four jump scares in this film today, I jumped at because I didn't see them the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the demon moving in the still shot. That's one of my creepy things. Mirrors, creepy voices, faces that are like missing a piece to them. Like mm. you're missing a mouth or eyes. Ugh. That's creepy to me. Yeah. Those are my big things. There's other things, but those are my guarantee will get me. Right. The demon moving in a still shot was pretty reminiscent of a mirror kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. that I didn't like. Did not care for that. Um, the kid's creepy hands pushing him down. Movie started playing on its own more than one time. Again, I have leave written down. Um, there's a creeper in the bushes outside. So wait, so before the bushes, I have rule one, keep office locked, dick. And then if I'm his wife, I'm calling DCYF. Mm-hmm. 
I don't remember why I wrote that. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that, that applies a lot, I'd say, throughout uh-huh. this. Does one of the kids go into the office? The office is just constantly left open. Like, oh, yeah. He wakes up in the middle of the night, the door's wide open, the yeah. phone's playing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's he's supposed to keep it locked, mm-hmm. but it's a question of, is he not locking it? Again, remember, he's also drinking pretty heavily at this point. Right. So we do see him physically lock it in a couple of scenes. It does a nice little close-up of it. Yep. But not every time. True. So is it, again, him not being a reliable narrator as a protagonist or... What's really going on there? I'm not sure. Um, also, I feel like protagonist is generous. <laughs> main character. Okay, okay, okay. Unlikable protagonist. Okay. We go with that. Yeah, fair. In a fucking sweater. Yeah. It's not a bad sweater. It just does not work in this. And it does not make me like it. It's a collar. It's a collar. I just didn't like. Um, so now can we talk about the creeper in the bushes? Yeah. So he has this picture of the crime scene at his house, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, to the far side of the property, you see these bushes, and there's this face. In the picture. In the picture. Mm Mm-hmm. So he goes to his window. At night. At night, where he has clear view of these bushes, and holds the picture up, like, lines it up to see the creepy guy in the picture, and when he takes the picture down... There's a fucking creeper in the bushes right there. (laughs) So, here's what I would do differently. Uh Uh-huh. All of it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I would have had my blinds closed. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a chance I would have a wide open window with lights on inside. No. You can't see everything outside. Everybody outside can see everything inside. Yeah. Use your head. Right. Try. Try to use your head. Blinds should be closed. I would not have held a picture up at night. I would, again, never have been doing this probably on my own. Okay. Um, if I was like, oh, hey, this is where it is, I would have called you. I would have called in backup. I would have been like, let's hold it up here if we want just to see, yeah, it's exactly there. Take it down. Like, I want it to be daytime. I want maybe somebody I know to be out there with a bat or something, a gun, a police officer. Yeah. So the fact that he did it at night, there was a creeper in the bushes. I feel like he brought everything on himself again. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote here is wake family, call police, leave. Yeah. All in caps and underlined. Yeah. I put, do not investigate, moron. (laughs) But see, you have do not investigate, but still stay home and don't wake anybody up. Me, I'm like, wake up everybody in the house, (laughs) call the cops, get the hell out. What are you doing? Okay. But if he had gone to wake up everybody in the house, he wouldn't have found his son. Sure. They would have found him outside, in which case put him right in the fucking car and keep going. So to his credit, he does go and investigate. And in that... He finds his son, the creepy kid, in the bushes. In the fucking bushes. He's in a box in one scene screaming. He's in the bushes in the other just kind of like, hey. No. No. And on top of all this, he's not even the one who gets possessed. Right. (laughs) So he's just on his own fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, this is independent of any creepy ghoul thing. Right. This is just him. And Agree. that is a tough thing to swallow. But before the wife takes Trevor into the house, mm-hmm. he makes that comment about, we're going to have to start locking him in his room. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to have to start locking his door at night because this is getting really bad. Ah, uh, yes. Let's lock our son in this creepy, clearly possessed murder house. And he's going to be screaming from in there. It's not going to help him to not have night terrors. <laughs> it's just he's now enclosed in his right. room. right. With a ghoul. So, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. he goes back out. There's a growling dog. So, this is where I think I die. Because 100%, I'm like, oh my god, puppy. Yeah. And the puppy is clearly not... Um, <laughs> not friendly. No. And then there's also ghosts behind him. Right. The ghost children are out there. This this is where they get me. Yeah. 100% get... You know what? This is one of the times they get you. Okay. Fair. Yes. Fair. You go out to investigate the dog. Get him. <laughs> investigate the dog. We're just, I just want to meet him. It's also not a puppy. It's like a full grown like Rottweiler. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, you would die. Yeah. I again wrote leave. <laughs> <laughs> For advice to give to anybody I have leave, move, call police. Um, the wife wants to leave. Yep. He's drinking whiskey and he's saying this is my shot nothing is wrong i feel like who is he trying to convince 
Why doesn't she leave? Right. She backs down way too easily here. Mm -hmm. Take your fucking kids and get out of this situation. Yes. And I also have the question here, you know, why do they need to be here again if they're not interviewing neighbors or town people? Right. What what exactly is he doing here? Yeah. What was I mean, aside from deputy so-and-so. And he didn't even engage him until he was like, oh, hey, I forget how to use Google. Can you help me out? And this guy offers. Right. If he hadn't been like, hey, can I be your deputy so-and-so, yeah. he would just be like sitting in the dark watching these movies by himself. Like a yes, weirdo. with a pen light. And he finally, this is where he finally tells the deputy. And I wrote down it was his first sane move. Yeah. Um, and he says they go back to the 60s and deputy so-and-so goes, the 1960s? <laughs> like, he's shocked that it would go all the way back to the 1960s. I was like, how, did you think the 1660s? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Um, and you see different murders at this point, not just like the one at this house or the first one or two. You see all of them. Mm-hmm. And the worst kill for me, and I do remember this from theaters and thinking this is a terrible thing and it stuck with me, was the lawnmower one. Yeah. Where to me, the family is like tied outside and you have a tiny little spotlight going around with the lawnmower and, and you're like, oh, what's this, you know, what's going on? He's mowing the lawn at night or something. Then you see the family and they're tied and they're out on the lawn. The lawnmower goes over someone. Yeah. That to me is, that's just, that's traumatic. I Ooh. mean, just to watch it is traumatic. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, you wouldn't live through it, but, um, <laughs> and at that point I wrote down that the main character, the protagonist or whatever, he is dipping into like every vice at this point. Oh because yeah. Because he's drinking. Then it's a he's, close up of him starting to yeah, smoke a cigarette. He's smoking. And then this is where they tell, they loop in the professor. Yes, Professor Jonas. Deputy so-and-so connects him to a professor. And and the deputy points out the fact that he has, the deputy himself has this degree. He has a background. He does believe in all the ghosts and ghouls. He Mm -hmm. would never spend a night in this house. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he connects him to this this professor who, pretty cool. What did they say he's a professor of? I missed that. But it seemed like obscure shit. Something about the occult, <laughs> history of the occult or something like that. I'd have to go back. But yeah, that's, that's I don't remember a- that being an elective when we were in school. Because it should have been. I would have taken that. We would have been in that mm-hmm. class for sure. I mean, I remember even in high school taking like a true crime and murder class. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. I mean, we, we talked about even like mafia stuff. We talked about different crimes. It wasn't necessarily like this. But it was good. It was interesting. But no, I agree. In college, this would have been amazing. I'm sure now, because there's a much bigger following and more things are accessible, like I'm sure now it's it's more available. That would be an interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Mm. So if you're listening and you are in college, uh, let us know if your school offers an occult course. <laughs> and can we sit in? Right. Can we audit it? That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't even need the credit. I uh, auditing like I just just want to listen in. <laughs> I want to know what's what's on your curriculum. Um, so yeah, here's when we learn about Bagul. Bagul, the eater of children. Yeah. Which when I write it down and I'm reading it, it reminds me of what is it? Zul. Is that the Ghostbuster? Oh, ghost I wrote Gabagul. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds made up. <laughs> I wrote down Bagul, eater of children, immediately wrote down leave. Right. Again. But also I wrote, this professor seems to know like a lot about these murders. Why hasn't he called the fucking police? And also, should we be suspicious of him? Yes. I think when somebody knows too much or they want to get involved... Mm. We've all seen too many Inserting themselves in the investigation. He's wondering, he's just looking for an update. Anything he can do to help. Uh, This is where we learn that Bagul consumes the soul of the child over time. Yeah. So, you know, that's cool. You have two children in your home. Why would you not leave immediately? Right. Um, You know that you're putting them at risk. Projector turns on again, 3.22 a.m., wake your family and leave. Yeah. So I, I have a note about um, when he starts seeing the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't see them. He, like, turns right when they... This little girl in the yellow raincoat, like, from It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Wake up your fucking family and leave. <laughs> I do. I, I'm like, he's got a baseball bat again. I see after the ghoul 
Ashley, who's his own daughter, Trevor, <laughs> Stephanie, the girl he's supposed to be looking for. What is the baseball bat for? Yeah, what's the plan? I'm like, you're going to take out a child who's alive or one you're trying to find. You're an asshole. Yeah. Um, I creeper, girl, ghost. Yeah, so the ghost Stephanie is painting, on, creepy. painting on Ashley's wall. So if I wake up... I thought Ashley painted that. That was the ghost girl who painted it? I saw the ghost girl like in the corner thing like... Shh. To Ashley. Oh, I thought she was in the bed and the girl was painting and did that. I knew that. Yeah, Ashley was in the bed looking. The ghost girl's in the corner saying shush. And there's a painting between them. I made the assumption. So we don't know who painted. We don't. We didn't see. Ashley makes sense though. But this little girl's in my room telling me to shush? Mm. Hell no. I'm telling everybody, call the FBI. (laughs) And we've established I would not be there. But if I was, if let's say I was Ashley. If you could give Ashley advice. Scream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get out. Yep. Stop painting creepy shit if you did paint it. Right. But yeah, how are these kids not sleeping in their parents' bed by now? How <laughs> How is that not the solution yeah. of, okay, guys, we're going to set up cots in here. We're all going to sleep in here. We're going to yeah. lock the door. Creepy shit's happening. Right. Well, because um, the mom... He's not telling anybody creepy shit's right. happening. The so, mom has no idea. No. So, Neither do the kids, really. Well, now she's seen a ghost, so I think... Ashley's in on it. So here I have uh, I have bad parenting because why don't the parents check her walls ever to see what's painted? Okay, on them. fair. Give the videos to the professor. Why doesn't he do that? Yeah. Give him the the videos. Like let this be somebody else's problem. <laughs> right. Here's where he confirms that the wife does not know whose house they're living in because he's talking to the deputy. Right. So the deputy says, "Am I right to assume that your wife doesn't know what house you're in?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm, "Yeah, she yeah, tell that." Like, oh <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um. I was questioning how the kids have not heard what house they live in from the people Anybody. at school, kids at school. Yeah. Yeah. Or somebody in a grocery store or wherever. Like, how, how have the other member of the families not heard about this? Mm-hmm. Um, the deputy makes a lot of sense. He notes the whiskey in this part. Mm-hmm. He does say, every time I've come in, you've had a bottle of whiskey. I'm not saying you have a problem. Right. But, but you do. <laughs> right. But he's very much hinting at, like, but is this maybe a source of some of this interest in stories that you have right he did confirm that he wouldn't sleep in the house for one night (laughs) and i am i have a lot of respect for that yeah yeah uh and this is where the wife finds out so i have this note that says oh wait (laughs) they won't die if they don't move um, so you better all make friends with your ghost stephanie and gabagool because we aren't going anywhere (laughs) no and then i have Deputy so-and-so with the intervention. Maybe I just made the connection. I think that was your, I think that was your connection because he doesn't, call, he doesn't tell them until they're already at their own house. So. Right. But when uh, he calls him... Oh, Deputy they know at least one family. Yeah. But they didn't make the connection at all right. of them. So they connect that the family that died at the house they're living in used to live in the house where the family was murdered, murdered as well. to death. I don't know which murder. The barbecue, I think? That's the only connection that was made, though, at that point. Okay. So, we don't know that. There's so, all I knew it. Well, also because I've seen the movie. <laughs> so, at that point, I was like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying right here, and we're living. Mm. Yeah, I was like, but we didn't find that out till later. Um, this is where the wife finds out, because she found out from somebody. Ashley. Did she find out from school, or... Oh, no, she, she painted, she painted the picture Stephanie she, on the tire swing. Mm-hmm. Like in a different room. room. Yeah, in the hallway or something. Where she wasn't supposed to be painting, because mm-hmm. only paint goes in the room. No paint anywhere else. Right. So, yeah, she painted it somewhere else. And and that's when the wife finds out, because she's like, Stephanie told me to draw it out here. She's like, who's Stephanie? The girl who lived here. Her family died outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, at that point, I'm like, eh, divorce. Right. <laughs> and he starts justifying it to her of, like, what do you want from me? And, and it's, I'm like, okay, normalcy, safety, an apology, anything like that. And he, he does try to justify it by saying, no, nobody died in the house. She's like, what are you talking about? We're not in the murder house? He's like, well, they died out there. They died outside. I'm like, what the, what this fucker? Like, yeah. Semantics know, now? <laughs> right. A family died at this property. Right. And you're like, no, no, not in the house. But... <laughs> Right out back, and you're like, oh, well, we let our daughter play out there. Also, remember, there's this terrifying big branch right. barely attached to a tree. Maybe you don't let your daughter play out there. Yep, agreed. But what he's talking about this book being his legacy. Yes, and writing gives his life meaning. 
Right. And she calls him out on that shit by saying, Yeah, uh, you have two kids. Right. They're your legacy and asshole. Your whole family should give your life meaning, right. not your writing. Right. And you hear the movie playing. He mm-hmm. goes to where it should be. There's no movie there. Like, there's no projector. Right. You're just hearing it play. And that's where the ladder is down. Oh, it wakes him up. Yeah. And this is where the ladder is down to the attic. So he goes to his office where everything had been kept. There's no no projector there. And then you see the ladder to the attic is down. Mm Mm-hmm. And... So here's where I would have done something different had I not been killed in the puppy scene. (laughs) Um... I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear something. I am rolling over and going back to bed. Get a white noise machine. <laughs> like, I am not getting out of bed for that. No. No, thank you. No. Nope. nope. I'm also, I'm different from both of you. In this <laughs> one. If I had someone in the bed next to me, like he did. Right. You wake them up. Mm-hmm. You don't go at any of this alone. Mm-hmm. You start turning on lights right away <laughs> because things are a lot less scary when they're hiding behind the chair or when you turn the light on than if they're hiding behind the chair and you don't see them because it's pitch black. Yeah. So put them in the light. Fine. Every light in the house goes on. In fact, you sleep with the light. Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, sure. you, I had wake up the wife uh, and instead he goes up to the attic. Right. What are we doing? So this again is where he... For like the 18th time has sealed his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is also where Bergul comes out of the fucking screen in the attic. Yeah. And what? the film and the player and everything, because he falls down the stairs because he gets terrified, finally. Right. right. But then the film, the player, the projector, everything falls out of the attic and he screams, all of this shit happens, nobody in his nobody family wakes, wakes up. up. Yeah. Which also makes me think, like, is this happening? Is this something going on in his <gasps> mind? Is he drunk? Is he wherever? Mm. Nobody hears this. Or he falls down the stairs, all these things come down. The wife could think it's one of the kids and she doesn't wake up for it. Maybe Gabagool is doing something. Still not Gabagool. So that <laughs> the other people in the house don't hear anything. Like maybe he's being targeted. And with his supernatural abilities, he's, like, cloaking the other family members so they stay asleep. I I don't know. This guy goes for... That's unbelievable! (laughs) Well, yeah. You've got to apply (laughs) logic to the situation. (laughs) And the logic piece here, why is he not just going for the kid? Right. So if he can do all of that and cloak everything, he could have taken the kid, you know, way long ago. So I don't know what he's doing. I think he's just fucking with the dad at this point. Well, I thought he's doing it because he's trying to get them to move so he could kill them. That's ultimately, yeah. At this point, we don't know that. Maybe he can only kill one family per house. (laughs) It is an odd thing because this is like a... What if he moved to another house that one of the families was murdered in? So if he moved back to one of the old houses? But he's still getting murdered. Could it be a second murder house? Might be a loophole. This is where he's had enough. Yes. We're getting the hell out of here. Oh, and he, but he, before they even leave though, he finally destroys the films. Oh yeah. So he goes, burn it with fire. He burns it all instead of going to the cops and bringing them the films. Right. So again, even though at this point he's like, you know what? I'm going to save my family. We're going to get out of here. We're we're done with this. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't still hand over the stuff to the cops at that point. Yeah. That, to me, is an asshole move beyond everything else because I'm like, you're not even using it for yourself anymore. Right. You didn't go to them initially because you had this use and need for it mm-hmm. for your own personal gain. Right. Now you don't want it for that, but you could still give it to them so they can solve these crimes or help, you know, even though the immediate family died, they still have extended family. Yeah. They still have friends. They still have Gives people who want to know what happened. to their yeah. communities. Yeah. I'm so I thought that was a dick move. Um, and then all of a sudden he's like, we have to leave now. And I put down, he is 90 minutes into the film too late. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, right now we have to go. I'm like, you had to go at the beginning. Right. This is too late for us. But now in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. Get everybody in the car. We have to take, get out of Dodge out of here. Right. And they get pulled over by a cop who's like, here, as long as you, you know, you're not writing the book and you stay below the speed limit in my County, please leave. Yeah. No ticket. Bye. Yep. Uh, and then they return to this enormous fucking house. Do they live in the McAllister house from Home Alone? It was even nice. This is like a two-door thing. It, it was gorgeous. 
I'm like, you were paying mortgages on these two houses, a murder house and a mansion. Right. And they're like, we've never been this broke. Excuse me. Let me introduce you what broke means. Right. <laughs> Hi. You, have we met? <laughs> right. I'm like, you can afford two mortgages. You're out of your fucking mind? And you're what? An unemployed freelance writer right now? Like, right. I don't understand. Right. And the wife doesn't seem to have a job. Right. You're in between books yep. after two shitty ones. How are you affording two mortgages? That's true. So that book 10 years ago, if you're still living off the proceeds on that, then good for you. Right. But I agree with your wife. If maybe you've had your 15 minutes. Yeah. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Teach? Edit yes. Books? Do, you know, have a real job like a normal person? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, That's exactly what you should do. That's what we're asking for. Um, 100%. So I don't know how he was raised that that did not occur to him until he was a full-grown adult. This is where the professor got back in touch with him, and he told him a little bit more about, you know, the, the murder house and stuff and other murders. And the professor finally questions, like, what kind of book are you writing? He keeps ignoring calls from the deputy. And then I had the box is in the attic with the films intact. And this is where I'm like, you would never catch me in another attic again. Or no. I would never touch another box. <laughs> I don't care. You want to ship me something from Amazon? Somebody else opens it. That's fair. I'm not going near a box. Yep. Nope. Dump the contents out and then talk to me. <laughs> um, yeah, because he burned those films yeah. in another home, possibly mm-hmm. in another state. I don't know where any of this is supposed to be set. But now he's back to his old home. And here this effing box is there. Right. This fucking box is back in this other attic with the films intact, the projector intact, after he had burned everything. He finds an envelope with an extended cut written on the outside. No. I wrote down, why is he watching? This is junky behavior. Yeah. Um, Why are we even entertaining the extended cuts? What are we doing? He's an addict. Yeah. He cannot stop. Even though he promised I'm not going to write the book. Um, Then he does talk to the deputy at that point. And the deputy pretty much tells him he's going to be killed soon. And the protagonist pretty much says thanks and goes on to watch the films. Yeah. At night and it's raining. Yeah. Like, this is. And he has to like splice them together by hand. Yeah. He tried hard on this one. This is crazy. Um, So again, this is uh, where he can and should (laughs) die because he saw Bagul come through the film. In the old attic. Right. And he's still willing to watch films that say extended cut from these murders. I don't understand. What about that makes sense? So I have a question. Hmm. How does Bagul <laughs> determine that the family's moved? Like, is he on my town records? Is it just an overnight stay? Because they still own that house. All their stuff is there. Yeah, no, he's he is for sure tucked into the, like trunk of their car (laughs) like he had to make the trip with them right um but again is he already in the daughter's head by this point is he kind of he's because she did the paintings or you know saw the paintings whatever she saw the ghost Mm -hmm. when the father didn't so i I think there's already a connection between him and the girl he's going to take over okay i buy that because here it is what the first night And his coffee looks drugged at the bottom. There's something kind of glowing in there, Mm -hmm. a different color. And then he sees the note that says, good night, daddy. Right. But to your earlier point, Mm -hmm. he finally takes that fucking sweater off. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Can't get blood on a sweater. (laughs) And then when he wakes up, this is where they're all bound and gagged and they're in the... And laying on plastic. Right. Don't get the, the floor bloody or dirty. Right. But she goes... You know, all out on the walls. Yeah. Uh, and she walks What in. are we trying to keep clean? Right. <laughs> and the murderer, this little girl, walks in dragging an axe behind her. And what she says to him creeped me out. Don't worry, daddy. I'll make you famous again. Oh, yeah. That was good. That was fucking nuts. And really, it pulled into the idea of, don't worry, daddy. I know you want to be famous. Yeah. You know, I know what's actually important to you. Right. This is a gift to you. Right. And I was like, oh, you got what you deserved. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, your son and your wife are getting it too. But yeah, so so she she does a little uh, Lizzie Borden on them. And then she paints the walls in blood, which was not against rule number one because paint did not go on these walls. It was blood. Right, I painted with blood. Yes. Loophole. Yes, but there was a completely unnecessary jump scare at the end. 
where the bagul jumps right back out again at the screen made me fucking jump. <laughs> uh, and then during the end credits, they're playing music, but in the background you start hearing this creepy voice and it's like counting numbers. Yeah. And I was like, all of a sudden I yelled at the screen, just finish <laughs> counting. <laughs> We're going to have our rankings now. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's score this. We have a little rubric. So, <laughs> um, how would you rank this on a scale of one to five for Nightmare Fuel? I'd give it a four. Okay. I did better. I, years ago, 10 years ago, I would have given it a, a six. <laughs> <laughs> because I had a very hard time and I watched it between my fingers. So, now that I've seen it a couple of times and, and I can officially say I've seen every scene all the way through. Uh-huh. There are still jump scares that get me. Um, the concept still gets me as creepy. The supernatural piece, the attic piece, the whole, you know, I live alone if I hear creepy noises. <laughs> so I will still give it a four. I give it a solid four, but it no longer puts me past the scale like it used to. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a three. <sighs> I, <laughs> I slept fine after I saw it. Um, well, I did not, but, <laughs> but, and I, and I think that there were points like in the theater, even where I like chuckled, chuckled. Yeah. Oh, but maybe I was laughing at you. Probably. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, the jump scares for sure are just always, they always get me. And so. all the way to the credits. Like, yeah. They had that perfectly done all the way to the credits. Yeah. I give, I give them credit for that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give them a three okay. for Nightmare Fuel. We had avoidability. Okay, so, so how avoidable were the deaths, we'll say? And it's one to five being uh, five being completely avoidable or the other way around? Five being completely avoidable. Five. Yeah, five. 100% sure. five. Five. He brought his family into this knowingly and did not tell them. Yeah. Um, he brought everything on himself, everything on his family. <laughs> Even when he found out about the, the ghoul thing, they still stuck around for a bit. Yeah. No. No. Not a chance. He was told everything, and he was he still went forward for a long time. Completely avoidable. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Avoidable. <laughs> on a scale of one to five, would you recommend this film to other horror movie fans? Mm. Before, I would have absolutely given it a five. Now, I'm like a three and a half. Yeah, I've seen. I feel like I've seen better films sure. and more likable characters that you might actually be rooting for. Yeah, this was a tough one because I was kind of rooting against the main character in a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, that's fair. I would give that a three. Also, I think that it it's kind of hit or miss. I think that especially because some horror fans are just like diehard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and this isn't it. So uh, I think a three is is fair. So that was a lot. So we need to counteract the nightmare fuel that okay. we just watched yeah um so I'm, I'm happy that it's not night yet but we have uh, a disney movie yes for you to watch after this um inside out yeah so sinister is so much about this gabagool um <laughs> getting inside these kids heads so that they Feeding off their souls. Murder their whole families. <laughs> the Disney one is not quite on that level. <laughs> but when you think of going inside a kid's head, I immediately thought of Inside Out. And I thought Nightmare Fuel. <laughs> so, <laughs> we had two different ways on this. Yeah. But I like this because Kelly is doing a great job of tying the Disney film back in some way to the horror film. Right. Or scary movie. Right. So... The connection here, it made sense to me. I'm totally on board with this, of, of yeah. the fact of getting into the head, seeing what's going on inside, or, you know, being a part of the decision-making kind of thing and yeah. taking charge. So, and Inside Out is great. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah. It's been a while, so I'm looking forward to seeing it again. But um, it is good. It actually tugs at your heart a little bit with that. Yeah, so if I'm going to watch this after a scary movie like Sinister, I'm going to try really hard to fall asleep like... 30 minutes in because I don't want to see like when she runs away that's really sad I do not want to see Bing Bong die no I think thank I, you I think I would fast forward a couple of these you know I'll skip a couple of scenes yeah for this this one and most Disney films have something like that yeah it's uh, you know a parent dies someone gets sick 
kid gets lost, something right. happens. Right. There are scenes to skip. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So I think this is a good pairing for this one. I like it. Thank you for joining us on our first podcast episode. Yes, I'm Kelly. And when I'm not doing this podcast and watching scary movies, you can find me hosting the Had to Be There podcast, where I interview different people and share their travel stories from all around the world. You can follow along at Had to Be There 203 on all social media or on my website, hadtobethere.net. And I am Laura. I am not on most social media. When I'm not doing this with Kelly, I am an absolute uh, dog nut. I love my dog. She is actually sleeping right here and being a part of our podcast and probably will continue to join us. Um, So I'm a little obsessed with her and I also read all the time. So I always have a book near me and... uh, as soon as I finish one, I jump to another. So I've been reading Riley Sager's books right now. And Home Before Dark was one of the last ones I just read. And I highly recommend it. Uh, and it does tie into people who are interested in things like horror. So, um, yeah, take a look if it's something that you are interested in. And uh, next one, I will share the next book that I'm reading. Awesome. And you can find us at poltergeistandpixiedust.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find all those links on our website. If there's horror movies that you would like to hear our responses to, please feel free to send us an email at poltergeistsandpixiedust at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. plastic i'm freaking the fuck out i'm not just laying there i don't care how drugged i am but look his his ankles his nope, hands I'm... are bound <laughs> you're just gonna walrus the fuck out of there <laughs> yes